Hey, I want to start with two confessions. Um, the first confession is this, uh, is that I have plagiarized a large part of this sermon that you're going to hear this morning, um, but I have plagiarized it from myself. Uh, I gave a very similar message um, about three years ago, uh, and so I just, for a couple of reasons, uh, which I'll explain in a second. Um, so if it sounds familiar, you'll know why, because I gave this message, or parts of it, uh, about three years ago. But, uh, so this series we're wrapping up today is called What to Do When. Um, and so this morning is What to Do When I'm in the Valley. And over the course of this series, we've talked about, you know, how do we learn God's wisdom from God's Word in some of the different things that we face in life. Um, and here's why I kind of dug back into the archives and, and kind of recycled, reused this message. Um, this the message that, that was kind of slated for this weekend, uh, when we put this series together, I don't know, maybe two or three months ago, was a, a, fair, a completely different message than what I'm going to give this morning. Um, and, and I changed it um, in large part because um, where we were two or three months ago, just in terms of us as a community and a nation, we were just in a different place. Like two or three months ago, I had such optimism that life was going to return to normal. Like, hey, this is going to be a great fall. It's going to feel like all the other falls. And then, what was it, maybe three weeks ago, it felt like just sliding down. And, and I personally felt like I was sliding into a valley. It's like, man, I had such, oh, this is going to be a great fall, back to normal, right? you know. And then, like, you know, a month and a half ago, nobody had heard of the word Delta variant. And it's like, oh my gosh. And so my second, con so the first confession is I have recycled this message. Uh, but the second confession is that this message is for me. And if you all want to listen in, you're welcome to. But this is a message for me because I just felt myself sliding into the valley. And I needed to go back and remember what does God say about valleys? And how do we stay out of them? Or how do we get out of them? And what does God do in the valley? Um, so anyway, that's where we're going this morning. So let's pray and ask God to be with us and to speak to us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, for this morning um, that we have this opportunity just to worship um, and to sing about your love for us no matter where we are in life um, and that you are the God of the mountains and we love being on the mountains um, and you're the God of the valleys and we don't like being in the valleys very much uh, but you are God in both places. And so speak to us today wherever we're at this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are going to talk about uh, valleys, and I'm going to kind of put it maybe two very broad categories. One form of valley is what we might call the valley of darkness. Uh, and this is the valley where you're struggling kind of internally, struggling with what's going on inside of you. It could be emotional, it could be um, spiritual, it could be a, a sadness that's on you, it could be bigger than that in terms of a depression, it could be anxiety with what you're facing or just anxiety that kind of comes from within. Uh, the valley of darkness could be a loneliness that you're feeling. Um, and, and the valley of darkness is when we feel this kind of despair, this hopelessness. And, and the difficulty, I think, a lot of times with being in the valley is we're not sure how long the valley is going to last. And we're not sure, like, the valley seems kind of dark now, but is it going to get darker? And, and that kind of describes what it means to be in the valley of darkness. The other valley that kind of, again, this is very broad, is the valley of pain. 
And this is when we find ourselves in circumstances that we're facing that are causing us pain in one way or another. You know, it could be pain that's caused because of what's going on around us, on around us in our family. You know, a, a husband, a wife, with your kids, with your parents. And there's that sort of uh, pain that comes from that. It, it could be related to your health. And you're in the valley of pain because you're going through something medically that's just hard. Or somebody very close to you is going through something medically that's very hard. You know, or the valley of pain just could be in relationship to your job or your finances. Um, and the thing about the valley of pain, those are things that are external to us, circumstances that cause us to be in the valley of pain. But oftentimes, not all the time, but often what happens is the valley of pain leads into the valley of darkness. And it just causes kind of this ripple effect in our lives of what's going on externally that then causes just difficult things within us. So this morning, if you forget everything else that we talked about, and we're going to look at a great story in the Old Testament, but if you forget everything else, here's what I want you to remember. This is from Psalm 23, and it's this. It's even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Remember that. That even though you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, even though you're walking through the valley of depression, even though you're walking through the valley of darkness, even though you're walking through the valley of pain, remember that God is with you. David wrote this psalm. And David was a man after God's own heart. That he had a great relationship with God, but yet, clearly, as he writes this, there are times when he feels this valley of the shadow of death, this valley of darkness, a valley of pain. And so, if you, this morning, are in the valley, know that God is with you. I will fear no evil because God is with you in the valley. Because sometimes we can feel like, and this is not accurate, but sometimes we can feel like, you know, because I'm in the valley... God has abandoned me. Or when we're close to God, we're on the mountaintop, and the mountaintop is great. But when we're far from God, then we're in the valley. But that's not true. That being in the valley is a normal part of life. And so we, we go through this knowing that God is with us in the valley, and is going to teach us things through that, but also he's going to be part of what brings us, he's going to be part of who and how we're brought out of the valley. So this morning, we're going to look uh, at 1 Kings chapter 19. So if you want to open up to 1 Kings chapter 19, that would be great if you could do that. We're going to look at that this morning. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, it'll be on the screen behind me. If you need a Bible after the service, head to the welcome desk. We'd love to hook you up with a Bible. But we're going to look at a guy whose name is uh, Elijah. And Elijah was going through a valley of darkness. And, his, and as we look at this, you'll realize like his valley of darkness it was really a valley of depression and what he kind of how he dealt with that but what we're going to do is we're going to look at his story and we're going to see some things that he did that kind of sent him into the valley of uh darkness but also some things that kind of brought him out and what god did and also what he did and we're going to learn from his story in first kings chapter 19 but before that uh, there's something pretty significant that happens, and I'm just going to summarize it. This is 1 Kings chapter 18. And so Elijah is a prophet of Israel, 
And Israel is supposed to worship the Lord, worship Yahweh, but they had begun to worship this god or this non-god called Baal. And they had a king whose name was Ahab, and the king of Israel, Ahab, was kind of encouraging the people to worship Baal instead of worshiping the Lord. And so God speaks to Elijah and says, hey, look, you need to put an end to this, and here's what we're going to do. And so Elijah basically gathers the people around, and he says, it's time to decide once and for all, are you going to worship Baal, or are you going to worship the Lord? And so they set up this kind of test, this competition, if you will. And so the prophets of Baal, they have a, a bull, and then the prophet uh, Elijah has a bull, and it's basically, it's a burnt offering competition, right? The first one that the bull lights up, that is God. Is it Yahweh or is it Baal? And so the prophets of Baal begin to pray and, you know, to pray to Baal, light this thing, light this bull, light this fire, and, you know, and they're praying and nothing's happening. And all day long they're going after this and trying to get this to, to light up this bull, to light up as a burnt offering. And meanwhile, Elijah is sitting back and he's kind of trash talking them. And it's great. He's like, hey, where's your God? And they're cutting themselves, trying to make their God light up. He's like, hey, maybe your God's in the bathroom. I mean, it's a great story if you want to read it. He's kind of trash-talking the prophets of Baal. And then he goes, like, well, obviously that's not working. Let me show you that God is God. And so he has instructions to bore three jars, three like big gallon things of water all over the bowl. And then he prays this very simple prayer. Answer me, Lord, that this people may know that you are Lord. And so this huge fire comes and just licks up this burnt offering. And it's so clear that God is God and that Baal is not. Now, we talk in metaphors about mountains and valleys, right? I want to be on the mountaintop. The mountaintop is where things are experienced. We're great. We're close with God. We see God at work. It's awesome. And, and the valley is where we don't want to be. Now, you would think that Elijah, being on the mountaintop with God, seeing this God at work, I mean, just in a huge way, that that would keep his kind of fuel fired, you know, like for a long time, for months, for years. Like, this is fantastic. How could I go into any valley? Because, man, I have seen God at work, and it was absolutely awesome. But yet, very quickly, Elijah goes from the mountain to the valley. And the reason he goes from the mountain to the valley is one simple, short text message. It's just a short text message. Now, I recognize that text didn't exist then, but as I read this, you go, that really was that version of a text message. This is 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 2. Then Jezebel, so that's the wife of Ahab, then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. She's referring to people who had died. So she sends him a text message through a messenger that says, So help me, by this time tomorrow, you're going to be dead. I'm going to kill you. Now, it was obviously not a text message in the way that we receive and give text messages. But I use that intentionally because... When we're on the mountaintop, when we're doing well, when life is going well, isn't it true that one simple text message can send us into the valley? 
that one phone call can send us into the valley. That one Facebook message can send us into the valley. That one post that somebody does on Facebook or on Instagram, or something that we see, and it sends us into the valley. And that's exactly what happens here with Elijah. That he gets this one message from this one person that says, by tomorrow I'm going to get you, and it sends him into the valley. Here's what happens. This is verse 3. It says, Then he was afraid, and he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree, and he asked that he might die, saying, Is it enough now, O Lord? Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. So he goes from the mountaintop, seeing God do all of these amazing things. And then, one text message, and he says, I want to kill myself. I want God to take away my life. Now, we're going to look at this story, and we're going to keep going in it. But we're going to see some statements, some things that he did right and some things that he did wrong. And what I've done is, on your outline, I've turned those each into an I will statement or an I will not statement. But notice what happens in verse 3, and this takes us to the first statement. It says, he left his servant there, and he went a day's journey away. He went by himself. Here's the first thing, is when I'm in the valley, I will not go it alone. When I'm in the valley, I will not go it alone. Because that's what we have a tendency to do. When we're in the valley, when we feel ourselves like, I'm kind of heading towards the darkness, I'm heading towards pain, I'm heading towards that, and I'm like, I don't want to be there, but but we don't share that with anybody. And I think we think that we have good reasons why we don't share that with people. We're like, well, nobody can really identify with what I'm going through, so I'll keep it to myself. Well, if I share, they won't understand because they haven't been through it themselves. Or if I share how I'm feeling and kind of that I'm heading towards the valley, they're going to judge me in some way and say, well, you didn't do this, you didn't do that. And if I tell somebody, like, they're not really going to be able to help me. Like, they can't fix the problem. They can't fix me. They can't fix the circumstance. They can't. So why share? Because they can't really fix it. And we see here, the Elijah, part of the reason he slides farther into the valley is he leaves his servant. He's like, I'm, I'm going to go it alone. If you find yourself moving, going into the valley, don't go it alone. Now, that doesn't mean you have to tell everybody. You don't have to post it on Facebook. Or, I mean, you're welcome to do that if you want. Not my style, but if you want to, you can. But you don't have to tell everybody. But I would say you do need to tell somebody. Tell somebody, I'm struggling. This is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm going through. At least let somebody in. And we're going to see that God meets Elijah in the valley. He starts going deeper into the valley. And remember what it says in Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of darkness, the valley of pain, the valley of death, you are with me. We're going to see that God goes with Elijah into the valley. Verse 5. It says, And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold... There was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water, and he ate and drank and lay down again. And an angel 
of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food, 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mount of God. So it's interesting what the angel does. He comes to him and he says, okay, sleep some. Now get up and eat. Now take a nap. Now eat. Now go on this 40-day hike to Mount Horeb. Now, you look at that and you go, well, that's interesting. How does that have to do with coming out of the valley? And, and I'll, give, I'll give you the point here um, and then talk about it. But when I'm in the valley, I will live a healthy life. When I'm in the valley, I will live a healthy life. And it's interesting, when you talk to counselors and, and therapists and, and people kind of who do this professionally, of which I don't. And by the way, if, like, this is a 30-minute sermon. This is not going to solve major problems. It will help. But man, if you need to see a counselor, see a counselor. If you need to have a phone call with a pastor here, have a phone call. Um, but what this is saying, he says, I will live, saying, I'm saying, I will live a healthy life. So he says, eat, sleep exercise and if you talk to people in that counseling world that is part of what counselors will say is you need to eat well you need to sleep you need to exercise because when we don't it just drives us deeper into the valley because you know, one of the things that jesus said is love the lord your god with all your heart with all your mind with all your soul with all your strength those four things are connected our emotions are not detached from our bodies our spiritual life is not detached from everything else. It's all intertwined. And so part of it is to make healthy choices in terms of that. You know, one of the things that, that sometimes we do um, when we're kind of in the valley or head to the valley, we tend to numb ourselves. And, you know, and we, sometimes we can numb ourselves like, I'm just going to watch Netflix all day and just try and drown in this thing. Or sometimes we numb ourselves with, much more serious and dangerous things to ourselves. But we numb ourselves instead of kind of living this healthy life. I was talking to a friend this week who, who went through a valley a few years ago. And I was actually, uh, he doesn't come to church, he doesn't come to church here, but I was just sharing with him about um, kind of this point uh, of my message. You know, and he said, man, I was in the valley, but I was numbing myself with some really bad stuff. And he said, but the problem is that when you numb yourself with that stuff, you got to fix the, you got to kind of get rid of the, the addiction that you're numbing yourself with, but then you got to deal with the other, he didn't say junk, he said a different word, uh, in your life and, and figure that out. And I was, it was just interesting to kind of see him uh, from a non-church perspective to kind of see how this works together. So it continues on, verse 9. Uh, it says this. It says there... He came to a cave uh, and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He said, this is Elijah speaking. He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I, only am left. And they seek my life to take it away. Now he says in here, he says, the people, God, your people have forsaken the covenant. The problem is that that's a lie. That that is not true. That things turned around when they did that offering competition. If you look back to chapter 18, 
verse 39, it says this. It says, when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. That doesn't sound like a people who have forsaken the covenant of the Lord, does it? No, that they had come back to the Lord. But Elijah, he can't see that. In his head, there's this lie running through, like all the people are running from God. No, Elijah, they're not running from God. If you look back at verse 10 again, let me read it to you one more time. It says, he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, for the God of hosts, for your people Israel, have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I, only am left. It says that they killed the prophets. No, Elijah, your memory is short. They didn't kill the prophets. As a matter of fact, it worked the other way. It was the Baal prophets that were defeated. He says, I'm the only one left. No, Elijah, you're not the only one left. He even says, they are after me. No, they are not after you, Elijah. She is after you. Because here's what happens. When we're in the valley, we believe lies. We believe twisted truths. So here's the third I will statement. When I'm in the valley, I will not believe the lies in my head. I will not believe the lies in my head. A lot of the reason, <clears throat> excuse me, <coughs> sorry. Um, a, a lot of the reason that we are in the valley and that we stay in the valley is that we believe the lies that are in our heads. And I think everybody is a little bit different as far as what are the lies that are running through your head that are not true. I would encourage you to think about this a little bit today. Maybe throughout the day. Say, what are the lies that I believe? And so here's some of the lies that I believe, and you've got to find your own lies, but these are my lies. One of my lies that I believe is you're not as good as fill in the blank. You're not as good as this pastor, as that dad, as that husband, as that friend. You're not as good as, and so I, I'm in this kind of competition with this fictitious perfect person, and it drives me into the valley. Another one is... <clears throat> Some, when something happens, and I can't necessarily put this in a, a short phrase, but like something will happen, and I think it's the end of the world. Like one bad thing, one negative thing happens, I'm like, oh my gosh, the world is falling apart. You know? And in my mind, like I have already like, been fired from the church, lost my wife, my kids hate me, I have no money and no place to live. You know, because of one text message that somebody says, or one email that's a little bit hurtful, right? And that's, I just, I just go down that path, I'm like, oh my goodness. The world is falling apart, and that can send me into a valley. The other kind of lie that I believe is this, is you only have value to God, you only have value or worth to God based on what you do. And, and I begin, if, if things aren't great, if things aren't awesome, if things aren't exploding, then, then you don't have much value to God. Again, those are my lies. You've got to go find your own lies. Um, but I'd encourage you to think through what are the things that you believe that are not truths of God and expose them, recognize them and expose them. 
So then here's what God does next with Elijah. Uh, this is verse 11. It says, And he said, Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the wind, the sound of a low whisper. I love that story. It says that there's this great wind, this huge wind, but God wasn't in the wind. And then there's this ginormous earthquake, but God wasn't in the earthquake. And then there was this huge fire, but God wasn't in the fire. He wasn't in the loud wind, the loud earthquake, or the loud fire. It says, but God was in a gentle whisper. And I love that. Say, God speaks to us in a gentle whisper. In order to hear the truth about God, we need to quiet ourselves enough to listen to God, to hear what he has to say to us in the whisper. When I'm in the valley, I will listen to the truth that God whispers. I will listen to the truth God whispers. And that counterbalances the lies that go through our heads when we know God's truth. The beginning of this sermon series, we gave out these binders, which you can stick your sermon notes in uh, at the end. And I don't know if you noticed the beginning, but there's a couple different pages that we put in here. Uh, but one of them is a page of truths about who you are. So if you have it, you can look at it. If not, not a big deal. Uh, it's pink in mine. I'm not sure what color it is in yours. Um, but it says, who I am in Christ. And these are verses that tell us and that remind us, this is who you are. This is the truth about what God thinks about you. That you are a child of God. That you are a friend of God. That you have access to God 24-7. That you're a citizen of heaven. That you're a witness of Christ. That you are God's workmanship. That God created you. You are his workmanship. And on and on the list goes. And these are the truths that counterbalance the lies that are in our heads. Here's the final I will statement. It comes from verse 15 and 16. It says, And the Lord said to him, Go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazel to be king over Syria. And Jehu, son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. Elijah, the son of Shaphat and Abel Meholah, I should have practiced those more, uh, you shall anoint to, uh, to be prophet in your place. Here's what God does. So there's Elijah. He's in the valley. He's not doing well. And God gives him an assignment. He says, I want you to go and anoint these people. When I'm in the valley, I will bless somebody else. That's the fifth one. I will bless somebody else. When we're in the valley, we get in such a place where it's like, it's all about me and my life and my problems and my issues and my darkness and my uh, anxiety and my circumstances and, my, and we just get so me, me, me. Oh, it's terrible for me. And, and absolutely, there needs to be self-care and all that. But part of how God brings us out of the valley is when we lift up our heads 
and we look at other people and we say, how can I be a blessing to other people? And I love that. And, and I hear stories about people who are, and just a very specific thing, but like people who are in the valley of pain and they're in the hospital. And some people are, are miserable there and, and there's obviously misery being in the hospital. But you hear stories about people who, like when they're in the hospital, like, I just want to be a blessing to the nurse. I want to be a blessing to the doctor. I want to be a blessing to the person who brings in food. And they have a little bit of kind of outward focus to be a blessing. And I'll encourage you, when you're in the valley, yeah, it's hard. And we kind of want to just go totally me, us-centered. But part of what we see here is that God gives Elijah a job. Go do this. And that's a part of what brings him out of the valley. We have just a couple minutes left. And so very quickly, I want to look... Um, at one question, and the question is this. What do I do, what do we do when we have a friend that is in the valley? What's our role? Because I know that in, in this room there's a lot of folks who are in the valley, but I also know that probably for all of us, we know somebody who is going through a valley, and what do we do for them? So I'm going to just give you two points on this one. The first is when my friends are in a valley, I will not let them go alone. I will not let them go alone. Probably the person in the Bible that went into the worst valley is Job. And Job, if you know his story, just all kinds of just awful things happened to him. Sickness and loss and ever, just everything, financial, the whole thing, his life crumbled. And so he's in the deepest, darkest valley that I think that we could point to. And his friends come. And it says this in Job chapter 2. And when they saw him from a distance, they did not recognize him. And they raised their voices and wept, and they tore their clothes, or they tore their robes, and sprinkled dust on their heads toward heaven. And they sat with him, this is the important part, and they sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his suffering was great. So they come, they sit with him, they mourn with him, they weep with him, and they sit for seven days. And it says they didn't say anything. Because he was in such pain. And I love that picture because one of the fears that I have when I have a friend or somebody that I know or somebody in the church that's going through a valley, like, I'm like, I don't want to call because I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know what to say. Like, I've never been through that. I'm not, I don't know what to say. But for me, this gives me courage and hope. It's like, it's not, what about you, it's not about what you say. It's about showing up. Just show up. Just be there. Just send a text. Just make a phone call. If you don't know the words to say, that's okay. Because the important thing is just show up for people. Even if you don't know what to say, you just show up for people. Say, hey, I'm with you. I'm praying for you. Here's a verse. Just show up for people. Here's the second thing. When my friends are in the valley, I will speak truth to them. I will speak truth to them. That, I think, in many ways, is the value of walking through life with people. Because when we're in the valley and we're believing the lies, like we can't see the truth. We're, we, just, we, believe, we think it's true, but it's in fact a lie. And so part of what we do in walking through a valley with somebody is we just speak truth to them, reminding them of who God is, reminding them of God's presence, reminding them of God's love that we speak the truth to people as they walk through the valley. You know, and I would say this in just kind of a shout out, but Stacy is like, she is this voice to me so often. 
Like, there are so many things that I go through, and I'm like, this is hard. This is awful. And it could be church stuff or not church stuff or just whatever. And she is such a voice of truth, of reminding me, and like, lift your head up and see the bigger picture, Matt, of what God is doing. And I think that's your role when somebody walks through the valley, is you say, pick your head up and see and look what God is doing and show them the hope that God has for them. We're going to end this morning in a little bit different way than we normally do. Um, If I could ask you guys all to stand, and we're going to read Psalm 23 together, uh, just as a remembrance and a reminder that God is with us through whatever it is that we're going through. So if we could put this up on the screen from Psalm 23. And just read with me. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in presence of my enemies. You anoint my oil. Let's start with verse six. Verse five, sorry. I think I messed that up. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. We don't have verse six? Surely, surely goodness and mercy. All right, we'll do it as a repeat. Surely goodness and mercy. Now this is the exciting moment. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. All right, we just need a laugh at the end of the dark valley. Let's pray together.